In virtually every art course and studio environment at RIT, technology is integral to the delivery of content and production of work. In this episode of Intersections, the RIT podcast, Elizabeth Cronfield, director of the School of Art and School for American Crafts, and Abigail Benkovich, a second-year MFA Metals and Jewelry Design graduate student, discuss the university's never-ending focus on intersecting technology, art, and design, and how RIT is in a unique position to blur the line between technology and making for students in the College of Art and Design. What's really unique to us here at RIT is our access to technology. And I think that that is something that's very exciting for our students to be able to utilize that alongside their very traditional methods of making. We have ceramicists that throw and use digital printing devices to print other ceramics pieces. And I think, Abby, you have some really fantastic examples of working both traditionally and with new technology and the creation of your work. Yeah. So especially with metal smithing, like just yesterday, I was forging an ingot into a sheet of metal and we're doing casting and that's all like really, really old techniques that we're doing today, which is I think is really cool. On top of doing that, we also have classes like technology in the studio, which allows us to think about technology and how we can combine it with the techniques we're learning. So in the professional field with jewelry, technology is a standard. I learned Rhino computer-aided design is specifically for jewelry. And you 3D print in an SLA material, which is the casting wax. And you use the old technique of casting with this brand new 3D printed piece, which could be anything that you can make on the program. And you're able to do um, the printing right here in the College of Art and Design. Yeah, yep. It's just an elevator ride down. I can make the piece on my laptop and then send it in and they'll print it for me. All I have to do is take off the support, maybe sand it a little bit, and then through it to be casted. For examples, what type of metals are you casting? Uh, I've been working a lot in silver. I've done some gold, but mostly people here are doing bronze or copper casting. I have a necklace where there was some wire involved as well, like a wire structure with an organic shape that would have been really hard to make by like a normal metalsmithing kind of way. And what I did was I cut off the parts that were too hard to make by hand in Rhino, sent those in for 3D printing, casted those separately, and then soldered it together with the wire structure. So it was a necklace of a combined piece of fabrication and 3D printed and casted pieces. And in your work, Abby, the materials can range Also, you know, we're talking about using a very kind of modern technology, contemporary technology to produce something that's in a material that's been utilized for ages. But what are some of the openings? What are some of the new avenues for materials that the new technology has allowed you to use? Definitely the plastics and the the FDM prints, which are like more just the basic 3D printing materials and plastics. I think they offer this fresher, contemporary look. Uh, I know in the field of jewelry, acrylic jewelry and resin jewelry is actually really popular right now. But having this 
white or color plastic organic form is pretty contemporary, especially when you pair it with silver or I've been pairing it with steel wire. And that's what I did for Rochester Fashion Week too. Can you elaborate a little bit more about Rochester Fashion Week and how you went about making the work and, and how you used some of the technologies to do that? Rochester Fashion Week was kind of a open book for me. It was just kind of like, here's a platform and you can make whatever you want to make with whatever material you want to make it with. And I had just freshly come off an internship from the summer where I had learned Rhino. So I wanted to implement Rhino and 3D printing into my work for Rochester Fashion Week. So I had this idea of wanting to expand volume off of the body, but also bring the volume into the body. And I, the only way I could think of bringing volume into the body was looking inward. So like taking inspiration from the muscular system and scalar skeletal system. But in my work, I also work with streetwear aesthetics and utility and ready-made. So I, in Rhino, kind of mixed skeletal bones and utility materials like carabiners together to make these components that laid on the body and were connected by metal cords. So it kind of was like this constricting look on the body. One thing that I was happy enough that I could maybe inspire people to do is like work bigger, like work larger, which actually 3D printing really helps because one of the biggest problems with working bigger in jewelry and accessory is weight. So if you can print in a light material, you can start to go as big as you want to go without the burden of, oh, this metal is too heavy or it's too sharp to like be placed on the head or it's too heavy on your shoulders. So that's also a part that really helped me with figuring out the weight. One of my biggest influences is Iris Van Herpen and Craig Green, and they both use large accessories or multiples of the similar components built together to make this new type of like sculptural fashion. The studios being equipped with both the traditional and the new technologies really give students a chance to expand their creativity in ways that weren't possible 10, 15 years ago or weren't likely to be experienced in the classroom 10, 15 years ago. You know, I, I've always said I teach sculpture. And so I've always said you have to know the rules in order to be able to break the rules and break them well. And I think that our students are really in a great position because they learn all the technical sides of things. They learn how to work with materials, they understand that materiality, um, whether it's silver or whether it's plastic or whether it's wood in the furniture design department. But there's this understanding of the traditional way of working and the, the way that material reacts to tools. And then there's this chance to break the rules, right? So our students are able to come in and swap everything up. Abby, I love how you're talking about the idea that silver is replaced by plastic and that that weight is no longer an issue. So, so the new technologies allow for a material change. They allow for a conceptual change. We think of silver as being traditional. We think of silver as being valuable. We think of plastic as being something that can be thrown away. And our students are changing that. They're swapping that up. They're making plastic be desirable. They're making um, lightweight materials, whether it's cast foam, be something that is put up on a higher pedestal, both in reality and, and conceptually thinking. There's this idea that 
that technology can change our way of thinking. So I think that our students are well equipped in learning both those avenues and then they get that that freedom to kind of decide where they fit in that in that world, whether it's the more traditional hands on approach to making or whether it's, you know, a little bit more distanced and using that technology to create their ideas. Um, well, I think like with changing materials and opportunities and, and weight, I think my time in the technology and studio class changed like a lot of like my, my processing of like how I build stuff because I do a lot of work where I like things will lay on the face or like head pieces or face pieces. So in my undergrad, I only knew that I wanted to work with metal and I only knew like, okay, I'm going to make this face piece and it's going to be out of copper and I wanted mirrors on it. And I didn't really know like how to do that without it being sharp or without it being heavy. Then I come into my technology and studio class and we're coding with Arduino. And so that also opens up motors and lights and laser cutting, which I found that mirrored acrylic laser cut gave me the same resolution that I was hoping for in that mirrored copper. So that mirrored acrylic really helped me and it was super light and I put a motor on it. So it opened and shut. There were like sunglasses that went on and off of your face. It expanded what I thought my pieces can be. That's exactly what the class was designed to do. I love it, right? And it's it's in the very first semester of our master's um, degree program so that it can hopefully open those students' eyes and really kind of give students that come from a very traditional background the opportunity to see how they might integrate the technology into their work and, and to make new things. It's hard to have a machine throw a pot for you but it is um, possible to have a machine print a pot. And those are very different things. And our students are exposed to that and they're able to see the differences and understand what the hand can do and what the hand can say through a material versus what can be created in the mind and then digitally and what that says with the material. So they're, they're very different things and it's important to all our programs that, that students have access to both. I think in the department right now, I'm seeing more and more technology start to be included. And I think that's really awesome, but it's never in our department the end all. We use it as a really helpful tool or we add on to it once something's printed or once something's laser cut, there is that part where it's not just finished. So we add on to it with our traditional techniques as well. So I think that's a really cool marriage of techniques being um, done right now. But I think in the future, digital design is actually really growing right now. I mean, you see digital fashion and digital accessories. I'm, you see filters with jewelry designs um, where you can like put that up onto your face and the filter of a face piece goes on it. And that's done through like coding and 3D modeling. So I think that could be a really interesting step into the future. And I know when I'm graduating, I will be focusing more on design and doing more um, computer automated design for jewelry and 3D printing that to make models to be manufactured. Uh, Abby, you were talking about the, um, the idea of designing jewelry and apps. And that is something I never even thought of, but it's 
it's so incredibly exciting. Yeah, like so digital fashion is starting to become bigger and bigger. And obviously NFTs are also a huge digital art format as well. But um, I'm seeing there's like filters and even there's companies where they Photoshop on digital fashion. And I see that in accessories can start to be that as well. There's filters for like bags or for hats or jewelry as well. And a lot of jewelers now use Snapchat filters or Instagram filters with their jewelry as promotion for people to buy their actual jewelry. So incorporating technology in a way for your audience to easily access your pieces might be an interesting way for them to maybe then make a real-time purchase on your piece, on your pieces. Yeah, I find that extremely interesting. And that's all done with 3D design. I mean, you have to make it in CAD first or Rhino, Blender, all of those are kind of the building blocks. And those are also the files you can use to then 3D print as well. So they can be filters and then they can be real with 3D printing. Very cool. Thank you for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, subscribe to Intersections on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or SoundCloud or by visiting www.rit.edu slash news slash podcasts.